Welcome to the AdWoke Podcast. My name is Brett Craig, and here's my story. I'm a former chief creative officer that worked at two of the biggest ad agencies on the West Coast for some of the most famous brands in the world. About two years ago, I was canceled for a five-year-old casting email that someone posted on Instagram. I used some imperfect language. It was taken out of context, and it all happened in the middle of the racial tensions of 2020. The social media mobbing that ensued in the comment section below my email posted on Instagram caused me to lose my job and to be called some rather ugly names that I never thought I'd be called. Suddenly, I went from the top of my career to no career at all. Canceled. Even friends that supported me privately wouldn't come near me publicly. I'm a Christian, and I do believe that God is working all things together for my good, but it was quite honestly one of the most devastating experiences of my life. But it was also strangely liberating. I woke up to a new world, full of uncertainty, but also full of opportunity. The opportunity to do something in short supply in the corporate world today. Tell the truth. I no longer had to be conflicted promoting ideas I don't agree with. And in these times of deceit, I counted a privilege to be able to speak honestly. That's what the AdWoke podcast is all about. I'm going to give it to you straight. We're going to occasionally laugh, and I'm going to say the things you're not allowed to say. Not because I just want to be provocative, although the truth is often provocative, but because I believe the truth will set you free. Hello and welcome to the AdWoke Podcast. Well, this week I wanted to spend a little more time following up on this problem of the rising tide of anti-white racism in America and an aspect of it that I find really concerning, which is that it's institutionally backed uh, and anti-white racism is heartily applauded in America at the current moment. And I know that I just spoke about this. I did a uh, episode called DEI's uh, Anti-White Problem. Um, and, uh, and I really talk, broke down what whiteness is about, this term we're hearing so much of. Uh, and so I, I want to follow up on it again because I think this issue deserves serious attention. And so I'm back here again with another podcast on this new fashionable anti-white racism in America. Uh, and the last fashionable racism allowed, in fact. It's the last overt bigotry, which we seem to be fine with. And I want to contrast it with this situation with Kanye, uh, or Ye, as he refers to himself, because I think it sheds some light on all this anti-white bigotry that's suddenly so fashionable in America. And I want to connect and contrast those two realities, which is kind of what happened to Ye West in the last couple of weeks um, with his anti-Semitic comments, and then Contrast that with the utter silence regarding anti-white bigotry, because I think these uh, two things, comparing and kind of contrasting these two realities, is quite revealing about where we're at on race in America. So I don't want to spend too much time on Yee and his comments, which he has been roundly condemned for, but what I want to key in on is less about Kanye and more about the selective outrage we have towards racism in America. Because racism is indeed alive and well in America. Racism has never been healthier in my lifetime, in fact. Uh, It's just a new group that's being targeted. Uh, That is white people, basically. That is the new uh, acceptable target. And anti-whiteness is what you might call, uh, and I kind of said this just a second ago, but fashionable racism versus unfashionable racism. Fashionable racism is permitted, while unfashionable racism will get you canceled from polite society lickety-split. 
Now, racism is the greatest sin one can be accused of today in America, I think. I know this because of a five-year-old casting email that I wrote that was construed as quote-unquote racist. It wasn't racist, even though it was about casting um, two black actors, which is my job to comment on. And even though the comments were taken out of context, didn't fit any kind of fact pattern about me, still it was enough for my ad agency at the time that I had a strong relationship with And despite the fact that I had no dead bodies in my HR file, I always tell people I was never actually ever brought into HR once in my whole career to be corrected for any treatment of any employee because I always treated people with respect. Yet still, over this one incident um, that happened that you can read about, you can just Google it, you'll find it, Um, that ad agency at the time fired me immediately. And I uh, basically at the time had committed the sin of writing a five-year-old casting email that was problematized out of context in the height of the BLM insanity, which was all a scam uh, that woke corporations went along with. But this sin alone that I committed while being a white male was enough to strip me of my entire career, unless, of course, I would have bowed down and said all the things, like I'm white privilege and I've got, you know... uh, I'm white, my white fragility. I don't know. Say all the things you're supposed to say as a leader, and I just refuse to do that. So all all this to say, we all know racism or a perceived act of racism is among the worst sins one can commit in America. But we also know it depends on who's accused of racism and whom that racism is directed at. That will determine whether you get a pass or an asymmetrical butt whooping an overwhelming cancel-level event directed at you. And what happened to Yee in the last couple of weeks, which is uh, he's basically being depersoned, right? I mean, he's being eliminated from polite society for his anti-Semitic comments, demonstrates all this in real time. Because again, he committed what is surely considered the greatest modern sin one can commit, racism. And he did so while being perceived to be two important things. A Christian in somewhat of a conservative, which is the ultimate no-no, right? You pair those two things, like you say something that's perceived to be racist, and if you are a Christian and a conservative, you are in deep trouble. And we've seen, of course, and I've talked about this before, many celebrities, talk show hosts, personalities, athletes, everyday Americans, and on and on be canceled for saying things that are construed as racist. And, And often these things that they say, we all kind of like think about what they just said, um, and we're like, that was racist? Um, that person's being canceled for, for, for that comment? Uh, you hear the statement and you kind of scratch your head and you wonder why that person is even apologizing sometimes because, uh, but you know also that that person will be fired, shamed, and canceled if they don't. And of course, we all know you have to have certain positions when it comes to the issue of racism in America. For instance, you must believe and speak of someone like George Floyd as a saint. You must support BLM, even though BLM is totally discredited. They stole the money. Uh, We don't even know where the money went. Uh, They bought houses in places like Topanga Canyon, yada, yada. But you must ignore all that, and you must say things like you're an anti-racist, which means you actively will discriminate on behalf of people of color against white people. You must say that black Americans are very specifically hunted and targeted by the police. You have to believe that all blacks are marginalized today in America, and all white people are their oppressors, etc., etc. My point is, there's certain positions one must take about racism in America towards, for instance, uh, black people, for instance, and racism that's directed at black people. And we all know this, right? There's certain positions you just have to have. And to refute any of the things that I just said, to even question them, 
would be a certain loss of your job if you were a, say, C-suite executive or maybe somebody in the press or a celebrity. You have to have these positions. If you don't, you're going to lose everything. And I only bring this up to say that American culture is swift to condemn certain forms of racism. Again, it's the greatest sin one can commit today in America, particularly anti-black racism, let's say. And as the Yi situation proves, anti-Semitism being another form of racism that will not be tolerated. But pretty much all forms of racism directed against any people is a career-ending move, uh, even if it's just perceived as racist, right? So except for one form of racism, there's one exception to this rule, and that is anti-white racism, which this form of racism enjoys not only the full institutional support of all society, all of culture applauds this kind of racism at this moment in time in America. And just to be clear too, I want to say this before I go any further. Anti-black racism should not be tolerated, and anti-Semitism should not be tolerated. I am sensitive, for instance, to the issue of anti-Semitism, for instance, because I think the Jewish people are the most persecuted people group in the world historically, and I think anti-Semitism is a litmus test for society. It's a canary in the coal mine, as it were, where you find anti-Semitism, you find a culture descending into evil, as Nazi Germany so perfectly demonstrates. The Jewish people in Germany were canaries in the coal mine then. They elusive the wickedness of Hitler uh, and where that situation was headed well before it fully manifested. So putting my agreement uh, that we ought to be sensitive to racism, certainly against black people, especially in America, and against anti-Semitism as well, with that established, let's put that aside, I think the Yee situation really showed that we have selective outrage around issues of race and racism on the one hand. And on the other hand, you can be as racist as you want right now, so long as that target of that racism is the right target, and that is white people, or what they're calling this thing called whiteness. And remember, I spoke last podcast about whiteness and how that's really just Americanism. It's just the system in America so that the proof of that is that even a black man can be guilty of exhibiting whiteness. Simply vote Republican or just walk off the Democratic, Socialist, Communist res- reservation as a black person and affirm the American way of hard work, rugged individualism, empiricism, personal responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. And you, that will be called whiteness. And it happens to black people all the time. You're, you're acting white. And the ye debacle, though, Uh, kind of proved all this. Now, maybe I'm alone, but I want to explain here uh, what I mean. See, some racism is more equal than other forms of racism. That's where we're at in America. And if you remember an Animal Farm, uh, Orwell's great book uh, about socialism and communism, when the pigs took control of the farm and began to act like humans and started living inside the house and subjugating the other animals, one line sticks from me from Orwell's book. And this, again, was a book that was a critique of socialism and totalitarianism. But the line in the book that really stuck with me is, some animals are more equal than others, which is indicative of the totalitarian mindset that is befalling America right now. Uh, And my point in mentioning this line is that the new socialist slash totalitarian world 
certain sins like racism, certain versions of this most deadly sin in America are more equal than others. Just as the pigs in Orwell's animal farm, though they are animals to justify their special treatment of themselves, the pigs uh, who have authoritarian rule over the other animals, the pigs would justify their rule by saying some animals are more equal than other animals. And today we know some racism is more equal than other forms of racism. And this is what the Yi situation has demonstrated for me. So I want to share my thoughts real quickly on the Yi cancellation and then talk about why it uh, it was a demonstration that some racism is indeed more equal than other forms of racism in America today. So I will just say what Kanye said, first off, was wrong. We should never bucket all people under one label or umbrella via uh, their skin color, ethnicity, uh, as Yi did in his anti-Semitic comments. We shouldn't do that. That's what the woke progressives do, right? They say all black people X and all white people X and all Asian people blank. And that is actually racist. Uh, We shouldn't do that. So I don't like these comments about Jewish people and they should be challenged. They should be condemned. And they have been more than that, right? More than just condemned. There's been an attempt to erase Kanye from existence. You know, I saw a variety article just the other day that suggested his song catalog should be expunged from Spotify and iTunes, etc. And this reminds me of those anti-Russian hysterias that we've been going through in the last six months in which we're told we should hate all Russians because of Vladimir Putin, because Vladimir Putin has invaded the Ukraine. So therefore, all Russians are guilty of this of his sins and they should be depersoned, canceled and destroyed. Uh, so this just brings me to a couple of reflections around this controversy around Yi uh, and, and sort of these reflections that were aroused in me as I thought about his situation. And I'll relate all this to this issue of anti-white racism in a second. Uh, so one, the whole reaction to Yi's comments felt so performative to me on so many levels. Like so many people suddenly feel compelled to speak up against racism and social media. Here we are, we're back to that point again where every, like the black square for BLM, suddenly in social media, particularly on LinkedIn in my corporate world, everyone acts as they're being like, I'm so brave, I'm speaking up and condemning Kanye's comments, uh, particularly my contemporaries in the ad world. I see so many of them going, we must condemn this. Uh, and in the corporate world, and they pat themselves on the back as they call for the end of Yee West. He should be stripped of everything, deplatformed, destroyed. And even if he apologizes, and he has apologized on a podcast with Lex Friedman in his own Yee West way, uh, but I do think he has tried to apologize. I, I, I don't think it'll be acceptable to people, but he, he has. But there'll be no forgiveness anyway. He must be depersoned. He must be thrown away and labeled an anti-Semite. And that's that for Yi West. Now, all these folks speaking up and acting like they're so brave when in fact it's not brave, right? Everything, everyone is just saying the same popular thing again. Every company has dropped Kanye from TJ Maxx to Adidas to Gap. It's just been the latest thing, the latest movement to be a part of, right? Just like your BLM square we had, like, you know, just like the MASH, just like Ukraine. Every actor, every actress has been asked to condemn ye. They've all made some sort of statement. I saw Jamie Lee Curtis just randomly did it. Uh, Reese Witherspoon and many other celebs, they all made statements and it became again like the latest thing that you do, BLM Square, wearing a mask, putting up your Ukraine flag. We have this thing going on in society where we all are supposed to do a thing and condemning Kanye is that thing lately. And you know you just have to get on board and condemn ye to be a good American, I guess, or just to be a good human being. So it's not brave, though, is my point to condemn ye. It's just the latest thing you're supposed to do. But two other observations, I think, about all this. And the second observation is clearly, at least to me, this. 
that Yi's true sin is not simply his anti-Semitic comments. His biggest sin was going off the reservation of acceptable political discourse from a culturally influential black man. That's his biggest sin. The people who want Yi canceled for his anti-Semitic comments, which they were anti-Semitic and they should be condemned, I agree, but those same people wanted him canceled the day he wore a red hat and hung out with Donald Trump. And that is the truth, right? The, that was the day that Yi sent a message to the world, which was he was off the democratic mental plantation and he was going to say what he thinks. Kind of in the vein of artists in general, right? They're provocateurs by nature, uh, particularly when it become, comes to authority. I think artists love to challenge authority and dogma. I think about Michelangelo drawing ears on the Pope in the Sistine Chapel. He really did that. Uh, and he did that because he hated the Pope. He felt the Pope ruined his art by making him put fig leaves over the privates of his sculptures, his beautiful sculptures like David, uh, the Pope decreed that he had to do that. So he hated him. He put donkey ears on the Pope and he painted it on the wall of Sistine Chapel. It's an amazing thing. Uh, and at least that's how the story goes. But true artists provoke conversation. Uh, they challenge convention, even in the advertising business. You know, all the creatives around me were kind of rebellious or they used to be, they used to be. But something in the creative community uh, that used to used to be the case in America was sort of that, that sense of challenging authority. Of course, now today, uh, the creative community in America is incredibly obedient and subservient. I think of somebody like a shepherd fairy uh, who his whole obey brand, but ironically, he obeys everything now. Uh, he rebels against nothing, and he is the establishment and supports the establishment. And artists, for the most part in America today, artists rebel against nothing. That's why creativity's pulse is so dead, because we're in the middle of a totalitarian moment in America that is squelching humor, the arts, uh, because artists are self-censoring. You're self-censoring because people are scared. So in any case, Kanye's biggest sin getting back to that, was walking off the reservation as an artist and putting that red hat on and displaying his support for that thing called whiteness, which I, in other words, is just American traditional values. That's what whiteness really is. And Kanye doubled down recently in challenging the narrative and thinking for himself, which is his biggest sin. Uh, and, and not only his biggest sin, but I think it's one of the biggest sins in America right now is if you think for yourself, if you have your own opinion. And so Kanye donned another article of clothing that was heretical for a black man to wear, which was a White Lives Matter shirt. And he did that with another black woman who's also walked off the Democratic plantation, uh, Candace Owens, who used to be a, Demo a Democrat, I believe. And she's totally speaks her mind whenever she feels like it. And I believe, again, this is Yee's true sin. If Yee had ever said anything anti-Semitic, um, if he had never said anything anti-Semitic, I mean, he was already dead to the progressive left because he was no longer useful to the Democratic Party, which just uses black Americans as pawns. And this is what all the rending of garments was really about with Kanye, in my opinion. The anti-Semitic comments were wrong. I'll say it again, of course, but ye was DOA already for putting on that red hat and wearing a shirt that said white lives matter because he ultimately was sending the message to the culture that he could not be controlled. As a black man, he could not be controlled. Uh, and he had apparently contracted that thing called whiteness. And he instead was going to speak his mind now. Nothing threatens the left's power more than a black man or a black woman who won't 
do the woke left's bidding. They will attempt to destroy that person. I don't care if it's Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Jason Whitlock, Clarence Thomas, Ben Carson, Tim Scott, Herschel Walker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Black people who speak their minds, right, think for themselves and take all kinds of interesting positions and do what they want, whether it's Mom and Holly, uh, even a young Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back in the day, uh, Malcolm X, uh, and today it could be somebody like a Kanye. Uh, if they don't stay on the left's narratives, Um, they will be destroyed. Black people who speak their minds damage the left's narratives usually and because they're not following what they're, the prescription of what they're supposed to say. And perhaps nobody at the moment is so threatening to the left's narratives than Ye West because he will not be bridled. He won't be brought to heel, right? And some people would say Ye's not all that stable right now, but the bottom line is he won't come under the yoke of the left. And that's dangerous to the leftist establishment, especially when that man is kind of a cultural juggernaut, right? The left feels that they own black people. And why wouldn't we, why wouldn't they think that? The Democrats were the party of slavery, right? This is the party of KKK. This is the party of Jim Crow. And they're not going to give up their power easily. That's why Biden, and I've brought this up over and over, could say, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. Because the Democrats feel black people must say and do what they insist they do. But E. West doesn't roll like that. And it's this rending of garments from the left, from all those in the media, the companies, the celebrities, my contemporaries in the corporate world that just didn't sit with me well for some reason. I was really trying to point my, or put my finger on why, uh, because while I share the distaste for what Yi said, uh, the, the comments again are wrong. He should apologize. What I suspected, though, was really underneath this all-out unpersoning of Yi, the deplatforming, the attempt to fully destroy him. He's lost $2 billion. They're taking down a mural in Chicago. They're blacking it out. Uh, they're, they, they removed an essential playlist on Apple, is my understanding. Uh, they've debanked him and banned him at J.P. Morgan Chase. His wax st- statue's been taken down. His Donda Academy for Kids, that private school for kids out in Simi Valley in California, was closed I think at least temporarily, but maybe permanently now, uh, which helped a lot of kids. But essentially, he's going to be erased from culture. And a big part of that, I'm convinced, is because he's a heretic to the woke left's narratives. That he wore a red hat, he wore a White Lives Matter uh, t-shirt, and that's what his true sins were. He thinks for himself, he says what he believes, and, and, and and those things that he says are off the leftist reservation. And that truly explains, in my opinion, the rending of the garments and the pearl clutching by the woke progressives because they can't control them. And by the way, uh, anti-Semitism, just as a side note, runs deep on the left. This is what's so ironic, right? Anti-Semitism is all over the left. The left does nothing about anti-Semitism inside of its own movement. Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Ilhan Omar, AOC, the squad, they don't like Israel, for instance. And there's a strong strain of anti-Semitism inside of the Democratic Party. Remember when Ilhan Ilhan Omar, I can never pronounce her name, uh, said it's all about the Benjamin. Uh, we have Jesse Jackson in the past saying Jaime Town. 
that was a kind of an incident. Al Sharpton uh, calling Jews diamond merchants. Um, there's a long history of anti-Semitism on the left, and it gets a past on the left, right? Uh, because Il- Ilan Omar is a racist and an anti-Semite, but they'll do nothing about her because she's on narrative. She's a leftist, right? A progressive, woke leftist. And, and so she gets a pass on her racism. Uh, but Yi is off narrative. He's disobedient. And so he must be destroyed, even though he's a black man. Whereas Ilan Omar is on narrative and largely obedient to the progressive left agenda. And so they'll put up with her anti-Israel and anti-Semitism. But the fact that the woke left does nothing about the very real heartbeat of anti-Semitism that's beating inside of its own party and dominates leftist campuses across America. Any, any Jewish person on a leftist campus generally knows that it's anti-Israel, right? The woke movement is very anti-Zionist, which is just euphemism for Jews. When they say anti-Zionist, what they're really saying is we don't like Jewish people. They just say Zionist. Uh, they, say, they, t- they take on the state of Israel, but really they don't like the Jews, um, but let's leave that aside for a second, that that is happening inside of the, the, the left. I just wanted to point that out. The thing I keep thinking is that while Yi was destroyed for his anti-Semitic comments, meanwhile, and this is the thing that really hit me during this time, and I told you I would connect it back to anti-white racism. Meanwhile, as Yi is being just utterly erased from the earth, anti-white racism enjoys total institutional support in America. In other words, look how swiftly Kanye has been destroyed. It was within a week or two. Every business has dropped him for his anti-Semitic comments, and he's basically being erased. And it's the du jour thing to do at the moment in the culture, and everyone must pile on ye and make their statement. So as we rend our garments over Yee's anti-Semitic comments, meanwhile, in other news, this is happening. And I just want to play you example after example of anti-white bigotry platformed on the biggest cultural stages. And no one speaks up. No one speaks up. No rending of the garments here, as we know, because anti-white racism is totally fashionable. So think about what's happened to Yee West and think about these examples in contrast to Yee's total erasure. So this is a headline, an actual headline I'm going to read to you real quickly, and then I'm going to play you some clips. A headline from The Nation magazine, which is a progressive magazine that was on October 25th, just six days ago, uh, from Joan Walsh, a writer in The Nation. Her headline reads, do we really have to care about miserable white people? Now, this isn't some artist like Kanye, right? Some rapper who some people think uh, is under a lot of mental duress at the moment and, ha- and maybe bipolar. It's not some artist being provocative. Uh, this is a mainstream leftist pub just writing a headline, just putting it out there. Do we really have to care about miserable white people? And then, in case you thought that was, you misread that, the sub-headline reads, sadly, yes, because they wield disp- dis- disproportionate political power. So st- she laments, sadly, that, you know, we have to carry, carry about miserable white people because they wield disproportionate political power. So in other words, Jordan Walsh, the writer for The Nation, asks if we should even have to care about miserable white people. And then in the sub-headline says, sadly, yes, 
because they wield disproportional political power. In any case, this is just pure bigotry, right? It's not like um, one artist saying something. This is the Nation magazine. And I'm going to give you just example after example for the rest of this podcast. Uh, And not only is it not condemned, it's a headline from a magazine that's approved by an editor that ran in the magazine. The article goes on to lament the fact that we even have to think, you know, and even quote, this is her words, Think about down-on-their-luck white people. And Joan Walsh, the author, also complains in the article about, quote, mainstream media's undying attempt to humanize the white voters who gave us Trump. God forbid we humanize white people that voted in ways we don't like, is what she's saying. Because we all need, we all know that we just need to dehumanize any white voter for Trump. Uh, and, and, And they would believe that about Hispanics and increasingly black people because they would have also, if they voted for Trump, they must have contracted the dreaded whiteness disease, a parasitic disease, mental disease for which there is no known, no known cure, according to Donald Moss, who wrote a paper, a professor, I think at Berkeley, who wrote a paper like that. But anyway, and this is just one of dozens of articles. I read a few of them last week on the uh, last podcast, but I could show you one, uh, one article after another. But I want to play some clips now. I recently uh, just saw the, some of these clips. I mean, these are just coming out lately just to show you how anti-white hatred just permeates the culture and goes completely uncondemned. And there is total silence. Uh, first, here's a TikTok influencer, and, and she's basically in this clip warning white people that they ought not attend the opening weekend of Wakanda Forever if they want to be good white allies. Take a listen to this clip. This message is to all our would-be accomplices and white allies. This message is to all the white people who have BLM in their bio. If you really want to prove to black people that you love us and you care about us and you are down for the cause, do not go see that movie opening weekend. You buy your ticket, You give it to a black person or a black family who can't afford to go. And then you go sit at that theater in front of the doors. You make sure that every black person in that theater can enjoy that movie in peace. You make sure that you use your body to block us from anybody who would be coming in that theater to do us harm. That is your job. You can go see it on another weekend. Go see it on the second or third weekend. But the first weekend, that's for us. To do anything other than this, is anti-black. So apparently, um, you as a white person should not see Wakanda uh, forever. You should sit in front of the doors and only black people should see it opening weekend. If you're a good ally, you will sit in front of the doors and block them from harm because I guess somebody's going to harm black people when they watch Wakanda forever. This is so ridiculous. All right, uh, let's leave that one behind because that you might say, well, that's just some influencer on TikTok, TikTok, whatever. It's like, it's not indicative of society, but I'm just going to keep going here. Here is a video from a YouTube channel called Cut. It has 11 million subscribers and they make all these thought-provoking videos is kind of their thing. And this video is considered legitimate. This is legitimate stuff. YouTube does nothing about it. Think about the people that have been deplatformed. People for for all kinds of reasons. People are being pulled down off YouTube, uh, especially YouTube. And people like Yi are being pulled down uh, left and right. And this anti-white video is allowed. And in fact, it's celebrated. There's 11 million followers on this channel. This video asks black people, that's the premise of the video, what are white people superior at? And here's what the people in the video say. Take a listen. 
are white people superior at? They're real good at violence. Violence? Genocide. It's like stealing people's lives just because they feel like it. If you are white and you know this is happening and you say nothing, then you're a killer too. What exactly are white people superior at? Insecurity. Pretending. Fear. Being fearful of nothing. Being ignorant. Blame. Letting their egos control their every move. Superior at being dicks. What exactly are white people superior at? Oppression. Gaslighting. Lack of empathy. Intellectualizing oppression. Did I say oppression? What exactly are white people superior at? Taking what's not there. Taking shit. Taking our ideas. Copycatting. Gentrification. Appropriating things that do not belong to them. Taking over other people's cultures and making you believe that they invented it. Maybe they're thinking of it as repurposing. It's like recycle and repurpose. As my grandma was saying, the white folk, they'll take it if you don't copyright it. They are very good at destruction of land, destruction of people, destruction of humanness. Republican, whether you're Democrat, whether you're conservative, like white people are really good at upholding white supremacy. How about claiming that, you know, they are actually a whole separate race when actually white DNA comes from the black female? So what exactly are white people superior? Honey, lying, stealing and cheating, manipulation, withholding information. And lest you just think it's cultural stuff like the cut video or that girl on TikTok who says white people should not see Wakanda forever the first weekend, um, lest you think it's just cultural stuff, here's the Democratic Senate candidate, Raphael Warnock from Georgia. Here's what he has to say about America and uh, uh, white Americans. Just listen to this. This next month, more than a third of the nation that would go along with this is reason to be afraid. America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness on, on full display. All right, so it's our in our politicians. We are constantly hearing this thing, whiteness, whiteness. Uh, Raphael Warnock says we ought to uh, repent of our sin of worshiping whiteness. Now, here is a trailer for Showtime. It's a show called Everything is Gonna Be All White. Everything is Gonna Be All White. And the, the trailer opens with a title card that says, Warning may trigger white people. And so uh, after that title card plays, here's a little bit of the Showtime trailer. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you of the kind of stuff that is just being pushed into the culture and no one says a word. Here we go on the Showtime trailer. I think what annoys me most about white people is when they pretend like they're the victim. <laughs> annoying is when they, you know, when they kill us. What is fragile about whiteness when everything has been constructed around it? Every part of who I am has been distorted or criminalized. It's really just a bunch of white lies. <laughs> the Capitol. You're not patriots. You're ridiculous. One of the definitions of American whiteness is ignorance. In last week, I read to you Syra Rao from Race to Dinner. Uh, Race to Dinner, again, is this, this show that's on Bravo. Uh, Race to Dinner is where they get a bunch of women together, white women. They sit them down with the two owners of Race to Dinner, the co-founders, Syra Rao and her partner, and they basically just guilt them and abuse them for a couple of hours over wine and food. Uh, and here, here was her... Uh, I read to you last week her LinkedIn post, and she's just an unrepentant racist. Syra Rao is her name. And I went and looked at her Twitter this week, and she tweets these the most disgusting anti-white tweets. And I just told you, she's got a show on Bravo. Uh, here, here's one of her recent tweets on October 22nd. White entitlement is 
white women butting in line in front of brown kids at an amusement park so they can ride with their white husbands at the same time. You all are embarrassing. So that's Syrah Rao. She's got, I kind of grouped up about 20 of her tweets. This is the kind of stuff she tweets out all day long. She's a complete racist. And she runs this experience called Race to Dinner, and I told you about it already, but where she promises to deconstruct Karen, which is just another racial slur at this point for white women. And all of this is celebrated. She's never deplatformed for it. And in fact, Race to Dinner gets its own show on Bravo. That's right. It's not deplatformed, this kind of talk. She's not going to be kicked off of PayPal or taken off of YouTube or, or demonetized. But she's actually platformed. She's actually distributed for her racism. Syrah Rao's racism is actually praised, and she's paid handsomely and celebrated for being an unrepentant racist. Syrah Rao says this about her new show. Listen to this about Race to Dinner and its purpose. We're not here to change anything, Syrah Rao says. We are here to express the pain you have caused, white women. What you do after you leave the dinner is up to you. We don't care about your feelings. And then in all caps, sit with that for a minute. Your feelings pale in comparison to the violence you have caused black and brown women. Uh, And they go on to say of Race to Dinner's brand purpose on the website, uh, this, our goal is to dig out the tumor that is white privilege. Dig out the tumor that is white privilege. Uh, So that's Syrah Rao, Race to Dinner. Uh, I've provided links in the last podcast. Maybe I'll do that again in this podcast in the show notes to her site. She's just an unrepentant racist and she gets a show on Bravo for it. All right. Here is some typical MSNBC anti-white talk that happens on any given night from people like Tiffany Cross on uh, MSNBC and her guests. I'm just going to play you some clips from that now. Take a listen to Tiffany Cross uh, and just going off on white people on MSNBC. Many of us have seen the dangers when powerful white people decide they want something, they annex it. And they've never had a problem replacing the people who stand in their way. We see American white people are, are going crazy. They're, going, they're resorting to violence. This is literally what conservative white folks do when they don't get their way. They turn violent. White people deputizing themselves in some position of authority to have jurisdiction over their life when they need to mind their blanking business. I don't think it's our responsibility to be tasked with destroying and dismantling the uh, racial oppression that's against us. That's just saying we're more at fault than the white people who constructed this system and the white people who continue to practice institutional racism. A majority of white people do not support policies that would unpack and unroll and reform this system of justice. This is what they want. Matt Gates is giving the white folks what they want. White replacement can strangle culture. So, yes, we should all be concerned about white replacement. It is, after all, a very threat to our survival here. Okay, so why am I showing you all this? I've shown you influencers. I've shown you the news uh, being racist towards white people. I've, I've showed you that people get whole businesses based on the abuse of white people. And why am I showing you all this? Because as we're clutching our pearls over Kanye West's comments... These same people who are bravely condemning ye, along with everyone else that is culturally, uh, has a culturally important voice, those same people are silent over this kind of racist, anti-white, 
bile that people like Syra Rao and Joan Walsh of The Nation and The Cut Channel on YouTube with 11 million followers and MSNBC that platforms this stuff nightly on their show with Tiffany Cross and Joy Reid and the rest of them. Uh, the whole culture is silent as Raphael Warnock says we must repent of worshiping whiteness, uh, a Democrat senator. Uh, so it's totally okay to say that in politics. It's all okay because you know what? It's fashionable to hate white people today in America. So fashionable that you will get a platform. You'll get a TV show. You'll get to write an article. And the biggest institutions in America will be silent in the face of it. Not one celebrity will condemn this stuff. And you know what? Also, uh, the ADL won't condemn it. I think it's really interesting. So the ADL is a very powerful uh, group that uh, really kind of gets out there and tries to um, call out anti-Semitism, and, and I understand the need to do that. Uh, but here's ADL uh, and their comments on October 25th, still following up on Yee West's uh, anti-Semitic comments. Uh, ADL tweets this, as our center on extremisms, uh, extremism uh, at Oren Siegel told NBC News this morning, Adidas's decision to part ways from Yee illustrates that there are consequences to hashtag anti-Semitism. Pushing back against hatred, is their final statement here, requires all people and companies to speak out against it. Here's the thing. You, I don't think I've ever heard the ADL ever speak out about all this racism being directed at white people. They're completely silent about it. You would think a group that is sensitive to racism and anti-Semitism in particular, and I understand that's their focus, you would think they would also notice all the anti-white bigotry and feel compelled to condemn it. But no, uh, I've never heard them say one word. There is silence. The same people, is my point, that are rending their garments over Yee's anti-Semitic comments, they stand by silently about all this racist bile being directed at white people every day in America because it aligns with their political ends, I suppose. I think that's why they're silent about it. So I'm supposed to get outraged about Kanye, right, or Yee. But then on the other hand, there's total silence over not just the comments of a few people, but a consistent message to white Americans that they are basically worthless, evil oppressors. And this message is not only not condemned, it's institutionalized, it's mainstreamed, it's rewarded, and it's celebrated. And if you complain, they'll just say, that's your, quote, white fragility talking, right? You're just being white. Your white fragility is just acting up if you notice any of this. So I'm supposed to be outraged again by Yee's comments, but you see that that was the point I was making earlier. What I'm outraged about is that some forms of racism are more equal than other forms of racism. Racism is the greatest sin, again, one can commit in America, unless it's fashionable racism, the fashionable racism of anti-white racism. Then you get a TV contract. Then Comcast, who owns MSNBC, will let you spew anti-white bigotry every day like Tiffany Cross and Joy Reid. And Comcast, the owner of NBC, MSNBC, will stand by you and give you a contract. And that's where we're at on racism in, in America. See, I would argue that in my lifetime, at least, racism has always existed. And I've always said it always will because sinful people will always... Uh, Racism is always an issue because we're sinful uh, and we always have to watch out for it. Um, 
but it's always existed, but it was never in my lifetime. I was born in 1971. I'm, I'm almost 51 now. It was never institutionally endorsed. And in other words, it was always a surefire way to be destroyed if you, if you were racist. And many people have been destroyed for saying something even deemed racist, as I established earlier. But you never, never could have had a company like Comcast or a magazine, a magazine like The Nation consistently get away with this kind of openly racist sentiment. And it should really scare us that that's where we're at. And I, I really believe this because it says something about the spiritual condition of the country. Racism is always bad, right? But when it becomes institutionalized, systematized, and openly so, and applauded, you're reaching some level of evil that says your country is very sick. Something is very spiritually wrong. So all as all of this garment rending, all this pearl clutching was happening over Kanye, or Yee, I just couldn't help reflecting on the asymmetry and the selective outrage we feel about certain forms of racism in America. On one hand, again, racism is the greatest sin one can commit. As I said, on the other hand, racism is totally permissible so long as it's directed at the right group, white people. Now, it would take real bravery, true bravery for a celebrity to say this or a corporate leader to say that to say that this anti-white racism, which, that, which is far more prevalent in America at the moment, it's institutionalized, it's blatant, it's out in the open, it's overt racism against white people, uh, it would be take real bravery to actually speak out against it. You know, and I would say it's far worse anti-white racism right now than this supposed hidden racism the woke left keeps talking about. What's worse, unconscious bias, right? Or blatant society-wide endorsed racism? Uh, today, your kids go to school. If they're white, they're told they're oppressors. A white person shows up at work, uh, and, and in a DEI course, they're told that they are quote-unquote privileged and therefore need to shut up and go to the back of the line. Uh, they're told to shut up and go to the back of the line as they're being discriminated against for having the wrong skin color. Uh, if they're a white student and they're applying to college, uh, they're going to be told to go to the back of the line simply for their melanin levels. Our government tells us day after day that white nationalism, right, is the greatest threat to the country. We never see any proof of it, but it's the official narrative from our intelligence agencies and the administration that's running the country right now. People are given TV shows for being outright bigots like Syra Rao and Race to Dinner and headlines in magazines like author Joan Walsh, as I read to you. We're swimming in anti-white bigotry. But what's supposedly brave? What is brave? Piling on Ye West. Oh, Adidas is so brave. All these fakes in the corporate world who condemn Ye West but are silent in the face of discriminatory policies against white people that they institute themselves in their DEI programs, you're just a fake. The celebrities that condemn Kanye, it's all fake. You wouldn't say a word as the demonization of white people in America continues apace and it gets worse every day. And that's why Ye's t-shirt, by the way, White Lives Matter, I understood it. It was the most uh, sort of, uh, it was the most provocative thing. Kanye, who seems to be very good at being a provocateur, uh, it was the most provocative thing he could possibly say to the culture currently. The culture's message on blast to white people at the moment in America, white Americans, is that you are evil, you are worthless, and you should go away and basically die. And we don't care, right? Maybe we believe that uh, we don't care because we believe white people have it coming. 
maybe we believe that since white people are still the majority, slandering them, collectivizing them together as one big evil group of oppressors is okay. I don't know. Maybe it's just that it's useful to the left at the moment, right? They need a narrative to kind of hold together their fragile, tribalized coalitions that they've kind of created. They've kind of, you know, dissected everybody up and atomized everybody into these groups, these affinity groups. And because they've atomized their own uh, constituency into identity groups, perhaps they need one grand enemy, which is white people. Uh, and they feel they can bring all these affinity groups together, all these tribes together through hating one group known as white people. Uh, perhaps they just need a common enemy. Uh, but it's all so cynical and it's so dangerous. And I keep saying that this isn't going to end well. You can't demonize, let's say, 80 million white Americans who vote Republican. You can't demonize them for their skin color. Not to mention demonizing people of color who vote Republican or conservative or maybe just speak their mind and, and then call that whiteness and not have unexpected reactions. We don't want to open this Pandora's box of institutionalized racism. We don't want to normalize racism, no matter who the target is. It's super, super dangerous, and it's impossible to know what will happen if we continue down this road. And for me, that's why all this sound and fury over Yee's comments, while he should be a condemned, I'll say it again, but it was so overwrought because it makes so much of one person's comments, who I understand has an outsized cultural footprint, but the fury over ye ignores the gorilla in the room, a culture obsessed with hating whitey, a culture that rewards hating whitey and celebrates it. And I think it's so dangerous because it's mainstreamed. Unlike Kanye, it's mainstreamed in its acceptable racism, applauded racism, and that makes it very different. And I think it says something about the rot inside of our culture when racism can be instituted institutionalized, in other words, applauded, celebrated, given platforms and shows, something is very rotten in the American soup. But virtually no one is talking about it. Almost nobody will talk about this. I'm going to put this on LinkedIn. People will be afraid to thumb it up. They might agree with it, but they will never speak up about it. There's no one in corporate America speaking up about this. And so I had this idea, and I'm going to share it with you for those of you listening. I started a Twitter account called Hating Whitey, and I chose that name to be kind of tongue-in-cheek. But my stated goal with Hating Whitey uh, and, and, the, uh, and what I put in the profile for this channel on Twitter is, quote, exposing the fashionable hatred of white people by media, corporations, and your average run-of-the-mill bigots. That's the goal of Hating Whitey, and it's at Hating Whitey. Uh, 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 is where you'll find it on Twitter, hating Whitey. And uh, right now, as of no, now, I have a grand total of four followers. Um, so this is just an experiment, really. But, but as I was thinking about how so many advocacy groups are out there supposedly fighting racism, like the Anti-Defamation League, Southern Poverty Law Center, they all say nothing about blatant society-wide anti-white racism. And I thought, you know, since these groups are obviously so politicized now, they work hard to fight racism so long as it advances their leftist political beliefs, but will ignore the most obvious racism today, the one that enjoys full cultural and institutional support, anti-white racism. And so perhaps I can bring attention to anti-white fashionable bigotry by surfacing it whenever I see it for all to see on social media. And again, I know I only have four followers right now, but if you would uh, follow it, I would appreciate it. And if you have any examples of anti-white racism, I just want to surface it, uh, just sort of aggregate it. 
Uh, and, 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 and one of the things that I'm doing, too, is giving people anti-white bigot of the day. I recently gave it to Joan Walsh of The Nation for her article asking, do we really have to care about miserable white people? And guess what? This is what's funny. And this is what tells you that hating white people is fashionable. Joan Walsh, the, uh, the person who wrote the article, Do We Really Have to Care About Miserable White People? She saw the tweet from Hating Whitey, uh, uh, the channel, and she retweeted it and said she really liked her photo that we chose and was honored to be Hating Whitey's anti-white bigot of the day. And I think that just shows what I'm saying. It just proves it. She's flattered to be considered an anti-white racist, even though she is white herself, but it's fashionable, as I said, to hate white people, particularly for white people to hate white people. It's super fashionable. You'll get, you'll get platformed uh, real quick to hate white people in America today. So uh, it's fashionable to lump white people together and to castigate them, whereas it would be career-ending for people to do that to any other people group as Ye West just discovered. In any case, my real hope with this channel on Twitter, Hating Whitey, is to bring attention to these people that are doing this in publications and companies and corporations that are doing it, blatantly bragging about discriminating, shaming, and crapping on white people because, as they say, the reason I'm doing this is sunlight is the best disinfectant, perhaps. At least that's an experiment I'm willing uh, to try. So you can follow at Hating Whitey on Twitter where free speech appears to be making a comeback with Elon Musk, and perhaps we can make a dent in this fashionable racism trend of hating on white people by exposing and shaming people that promote this kind of rhetoric, because I think this is going to end badly if it doesn't stop. We have to speak up about this, right? Um, And I just want to say this too, as someone who had their career destroyed by an accusation of racism that I obviously believe was unjustified, I'm obviously super sensitive to the gaslighting being done to white Americans right now. To be told that you're an evil oppressor, that white supremacy is everything that is wrong with America, to be denied jobs, promotions, to have your children labeled oppressors simply for having low melanin levels, I just feel I have to speak up. But I also want to say this, and I want to end here. I also want to say, and I mean this, I love my black brothers and sisters and all people, my Jewish brothers and sisters and all those uh, of different skin colors and ethnicities. You know, I don't believe all this anti-white talk is how typical Americans of all creeds and colors feel at all. I don't, so I have no antipathy towards any other group. I still believe most Americans want to take other Americans as individuals and have not bought into this group identity politics. I don't believe in tribalizing, and my goal is not to increase division, but rather to call attention to those seeking to divide. That's what hating Whitey is about for me, and we'll see if this Twitter handle goes anywhere. I mean, who knows? But um, And just to close, I want to say this as well. All racism is evil. Uh, You want to be a real anti-racist? Stand against all racism, not just some forms of racism, not just Yee's anti-Semitic comments, but all racism, particularly fashionable racism, which at the moment is anti-white racism. Stand against this fashionable racism if you want to be quote-unquote brave. It's easy to condemn Yee, right? It's easy to condemn any anti-black racism today, and it should be condemned, and Yee's comments should be condemned. Uh, And we should condemn anti-black racism when it's real and legitimate or any form of racism. But if we pretend that some racism in America should be condemned while not other forms, particularly forms like anti-white racism, which is coming in in 7.1 Dolby in the culture at the moment, 
then don't congratulate yourself on your anti-racism or your woke virtue signaling about racism. Don't pat yourself on the back because it's just cowardly. You're just going along with the mob and that's all it is. See, in the end, we are all made in the image of God. Therefore, when any one of us is attacked or slandered simply for their image, for their appearance alone, it's an attack on the Creator and His design. No skin color is evil. No skin color or culture deserves to be demonized. We are one human race. That's it. One. All human beings, full of many beautiful cultures, and our commonalities are far greater than any cultural difference. We can't let these cultural Marxists win. And I refuse to hate my brother or sister for their skin color. I will not do it. I feel wounded by what's occurred to me, but I also serve a God that demands that I love my neighbor, and I'm going to fulfill that demand. I'm going to do that by calling out racism, no matter who it's against. That's love, actually, loving the culture enough to call it to account, even when it's fashionable racism like anti-white racism. And it's cowardly to stay silent in the face of America's new fashionable racism. And if we don't speak up, I believe a lot of pain is coming to this country because the division is not sustainable. The stoking of group identity and demonizing of groups is not sustainable. Calling it diversity, equity, and inclusion does not hide the fact of what it really is. This is going to turn into tribalism. It already is. And then it will turn into the Lord of the Flies, and I fear eventually violence. That's what the woke progressive left wants. But we don't want that because we're all one family, all children of the same God. So I say we stand together and refuse to play a part in this new fashionable racism. Thanks again for joining AdWoke. And until next time, just remember, you're not crazy. They are.